Amen. I'm thankful He hears all of those prayers tonight. Amen. He answers those prayers according to His will. Amen. Does everybody have uh, handouts tonight? All right. Good. Good. We're going to try to re- just go ahead and use the normal recording, Brother Manny. I don't know how the other one uh, sets up necessarily. So, we're trying to continue to improve some of those things. So, continue to pray that we'll get better and better at uh, recording messages and all that good stuff. So, when people aren't here, they can still enjoy the message. Amen. Well, last uh, two weeks ago, um, we began to talk about um, different instances of tongues in the Bible. Speaking in other tongues as a spirit gives the utterance. And we'll continue with that tonight. Uh, I did want to share one verse in the beginning, not related, but a Bible verse I came across as a daily verse. It's just encouraging. So, uh, Joel 2.23, if you want to turn there for a moment or uh, wait a moment, we'll probably get it up top. Joel 2.23, some people say Joel. Uh, it's up to you if you want to say Joel or Joe or Joel, however you want to say it. Amen. Joel 2.23. Just for a verse of encouragement before we get into the Word tonight. It's good to have Gala with us tonight. And so, good to have you with us, Gala. Amen. Joel 2.23 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He hath given you the former rain moderately, And He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Amen. When God does a work of restoration, in this instance, Joel 1 was talking about some judgment and things that the canker worm and the locusts and the the different insects had eaten up. And in this chapter, He tells them it's going to be restored. God's going to restore all that has been stolen. Not only that, but the the former and the latter rain will come down together. And uh, as we, it's one of those principles we talked about on Sunday where in the Lord it always gets better. When we surrender to the Lord, things always get better. And uh, even when things are stolen from our lives, either by our choices or somebody else's, God restores them and uh, not only restores them, but gives us better in the end than we had in the beginning. So... Just be encouraged by that tonight, that God is in control, and as we're talking about the things of the Spirit, the day and age we're living in is the day and age where the Lord said He's going to pour out on His Spirit on all flesh. So anybody who comes, calls on the name of the Lord, if you keep reading in Joel chapter 2, they will be saved, They will, the Lord will rain His Spirit upon them, and there's not going to be a shortage of His Spirit. We're not going to have a spiritual drought unless we uh, reject Him. But if we want rain, He will send an abundance of rain. Amen? So, that should be encouraging to us tonight. Um, There's enough to go around. (laughs) No shortage, okay? You don't have to be careful about watering your lawn or washing your car. Um, Metaphorically, in the kingdom of God, you can do all you want with water. It's not going to run out. There's no uh, stipend or shortage on the water. 
So, all right. So into the lesson. Uh, uh, last again, we did begin to introduce this last time, and and we won't speak about the first. There are three uses of tongues in the New Testament church, and uh, these I believe are blanks here for you to fill in if you want to follow along. The first is the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The second is uh, in personal devotions. And the third is as a public utterance to be interpreted. So when we look at the New Testament church and the different contexts where speaking in other tongues is spoken of, there are these three purposes. The initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, personal devotions, and public utterance to be interpreted. And the uh, source is always the Lord. It's always the Spirit, but there's different reasons in each case for the speaking in other tongues. The effect is different. So we're examine those. Um, and again, we're not going to go into detail tonight. We examined these last time, but just for quick review, um, the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts uh, chapter 2, we find where the 120 believers spoke in tongues at the same time when they received the Holy Spirit. Likewise, in Acts 10... Fill in your blank there. The entire household of Cornelius spoke in tongues together. And in Acts 19, 12 disciples in Ephesus spoke in tongues together. So in these instances of people receiving the Spirit and um, the book of Acts, um, everyone spoke in tongues together. And then uh, our, what we're going to move on to tonight is uh, the use of speaking in other tongues in personal devotion. And uh, the blank there would be, these are used for personal devotion for private edification. Private edification. Because the gifts of the Spirit, the ultimate purpose is not to just be um, doing things uh, different or trying to be super spiritual, as we'll talk a little bit about later. But the purpose is always edification, right? Building up the body of Christ. Tongues aren't meant for other purposes besides edification. And sometimes it's for the edification of the body. And in this instance, as we'll examine, it's for the edification of the individual that's praying. So that's different from uh, the tongues that are to be interpreted for the edification of the body. Okay? And Acts, or excuse me, Acts. Got Acts on my brain. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 4 through 5 it says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Okay, so he edifies himself. So there's purpose in it. Anything that edifies someone is good. Right? If something is edifying, it's good and it should be sought after. So Paul says there is a purpose. He that speaks in tongues edifies himself. I wish you all spoke with tongues. So the Bible encourages believers to speak in tongues and sometimes it's just for the benefit of the individual. So that's one context of it. Uh, and that's spoken of again later in 1 Corinthians 14 where it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Okay, so if I pray in a tongue, it's my spirit praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm praying in my mind, right? I, my, my logical understanding is mute at that point. I don't know what I'm praying. 
when I speak in tongues, I don't understand the words, the meaning of the syllables coming out of my mouth. What is the result then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. So Paul says, sometimes I'm just going to pray in my Spirit, even though I don't understand what I'm praying. And other times I'm going to pray where I understand. I'm praying, in my case, English and very little Spanish. And no Pig Latin. I don't even know Pig Latin. Some people can claim that, but I don't understand Pig Latin. It confuses me. (laughs) People do it sometimes. I'm lost. Yeah. Could be, it might as well be Greek. So, um, he says, I will sing in the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. So, I'm going to sing. Sometimes I know what I'm singing, and other times I even sing in the Spirit, Paul says. So, it's helpful to pray and sing in tongues, and also to pray and sing in our own language. Right? And then, here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul says, I thank God I speak with tongues more often or more than you all, rather. I speak with tongues more than you all. That was a pretty bold statement by Paul. I don't know how he knew that, but <laughs> um, he was inspired by God to write that verse, so I'm assuming it was true. <laughs> Somehow he knew, and uh, probably because most people he's speaking to didn't have time to dedicate themselves to that kind of prayer. Paul forsook everything and just served God. He wasn't out trying to earn an income or a wage. He was just sold out to to the things of God. So he prayed in the Spirit often um, because it was necessary in the situations he was in. Um, but not everybody has the time. If if you're working, obviously you can't very well pray in the Spirit if you're working uh, the cash register at a store. You know, it's just you're going to get fired quickly because people don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and God doesn't want you to to lack wisdom and just look at people instead of saying that's 599 try to pray in tongues that's just uh, foolish so um, that's one thing one reason I believe Paul said that is because he was he had times where he was I'm sure hours a day in prayer and uh, most of the people he's talking to are lay people who are still having to do a job and a family and all those things so um, but Paul Paul said that he spoke in tongues with more more than all of them, and in doing so, I believe he was showing that there was great value in speaking in the Spirit and uh, urging other Christians to do likewise. Pray in tongues when you can, because you're praying in the Spirit and not according to your understanding. Uh, Jude one, Jude one seventeen through twenty one. I believe this helps us in our current day because it's probably more applicable today than perhaps ever. But it says, Beloved, in verse 17 of Jude, Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So don't forget what you've been taught. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. There's going to be people who are going to mock the message who should walk after their own ungodly lust. So instead of following Christ, they're following their own ungodly lust. So these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So how are we going to combat all this information and this mocking and this tearing down of faith? He says in verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying 
in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So again, it doesn't mean that we're not, our prayer is not important if we're praying in, in our understanding. But he's saying there's a, a level of our faith that is, is increased when we pray in the Holy Ghost. That we keep ourselves in the love of God because what is the love of God? It is God. And what is the Spirit? It's His Spirit. So when we're praying in the Spirit, He's praying through us and He's ministering directly to our spirits. So, and that brings me to the final thing I want to say, and that is, I don't know if I put it on your um, paper, but when we pray in the Spirit, we're able to pray according to His understanding rather than our own. And I'm very limited in what I know, especially compared to God. Compared to you guys in some areas, I don't know very much about certain things you know a lot about. So, I couldn't really pray with great understanding. But when I pray and allow the Spirit to pray through me and I'm a vessel and I'm interceding, I'm able to pray with omniscience, which is a fancy word for knowing all things. Because it's not me. It's the Spirit of God ministering through me. So I think that's one of the greatest benefits of being able to pray in the Spirit is that God's all-knowing, all-wise Spirit ministers through us. We're a vessel at that point. He gives us understanding. And we may not even know sometimes what we are praying because we don't even know what we ought to pray sometimes. Sometimes it's tongues and sometimes it's just groaning like Romans chapter 8 where we don't even know what to pray and I just, I'm just i just praying and it's literally just groaning in the Spirit. So again, it's, this, it's a surrender to the Spirit of the Lord is what it's all about. Um, some people uh, speak in tongues more frequently than others. Uh, in in one example uh, that was shared in Brother Bernard's book, he shared a personal example that he received the Spirit uh, when he was seven, spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance when he was seven, but he didn't speak with tongues again until he was a young adult. He went all those years from seven to a young adult of never once again speaking in the Spirit or a heavenly language until um, he became a college student and he began to examine this in his life and said, I wonder if I could pray more in the Spirit as Paul did. And he simply began to ask God to help him yield to these things. And one night when he was in the altar, he was praying and he had a burden. And suddenly as he was praying, then he began to speak with, the, with other tongues without even thinking about it. It just come out. It came out of him as an utterance. And from that point forward, he began to be able to be more surrendered to it. But even then, he says, I don't speak in tongues every time I pray. It's just, there are certain times. So, not everybody um, speaks in tongues a lot after they receive the Spirit. And the, this statement is applicable. It says, we cannot judge. This is, we'll have a spot for you to fill in. We cannot judge our salvation or spirituality by how often we speak in tongues. How often. So it's two words, one space, two words. Kind of throw you off there. We can't uh, judge our salvation or spirituality by how often we speak in tongues. There's no biblical requirement that we must continue to speak in tongues after receiving the Holy Spirit a certain amount. The Bible just encourages us to do it. It encourages us to seek it um, through Paul. But again, when Paul wrote something in Scripture, 
and it's in Scripture, it wasn't Paul's idea, right? He was teaching as he was led by the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to worry necessarily about how often we speak in tongues because we're not seeking the tongues themselves. What we're doing is we're seeking the Spirit of God. And the tongues are what happens as we yield to Him. Now, if we, the, another balanced flip side of the coin, if we've spoken tongues often in prayer and then all of a sudden we're not, maybe we need to examine things and say, why am I not yielding now? What's going on? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, just again to drive this point home about it doesn't uh, indicate spirituality by itself. Tongues in, them, in and of themselves do not indicate spirituality. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or I don't have God's love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, is kind, and beeth not. And it goes on to say what, what love is. And the reason why this, these scriptures are written, again, we talk about them at weddings and, and stuff as they should because it gives us guidelines for characteristics of love. But it's in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which are all about the gifts of the Spirit. So really the context of this chapter is not how to treat your wife or your husband, which it applies, but really the context is what are the purpose of the gifts? It's love. And the, if we're, like the Corinthian church, apparently what was going on, people were going around trying to show how spiritual they are by exercising gifts, but they weren't living in a loving way. He's saying, you're wasting your time. You know, you can talk in tongues all day. You don't have love. You have nothing. Okay? So, love is important. And again, our attitude and our approach to these things can't be for... Let me just say it this way. Speaking in tongues is the evidence of and not the object of our desire. Okay, it's, it will happen naturally as we yield, but it's not what we're seeking. We're seeking the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what we're seeking is the Spirit. And we just understand that as we seek Him, we can receive this experience and this evidence that was in the Bible. And... Uh, that it's not it's not tongues themselves that's the preoccupation here it's just an evidence for us does that make sense it's just, it, it needs to be in balance because um, again it, it can be taken out of context and, and people can think their whole life is fine just because they speak in tongues so it doesn't mean God's pleased with everything in our lives so um Having said all those things, I just think in conclusion, we should seek to pray in the Spirit as often as possible because of those benefits when we pray. We're praying with perfect understanding. We're praying God's will. We don't have to worry about if it's God's will or not. When in the flesh, sometimes I do. Am I praying according to the lust of my flesh or am I praying according to God's will? But when I'm praying in the Spirit, I don't have to even wonder because the Spirit doesn't pray against the Spirit. Right? (laughs) 
So we're praying in God's perfect will when we're praying in the Spirit. So we're a vessel of His at that point. Again, we're yielded to Him. All right, so there's the tongues um, that are evidence of the initial receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts. There's these tongues that are for personal edification that are spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 in various places, but it's, it's in those contexts indicating that it's for the individual's edification, not for the whole congregation. And then finally, there's the public utterance of tongues that's to be interpreted for general edification. Again, if you're wanting to fill in the blank, it's public utterance to be interpreted for general edification. So it's not for the individual at this point. It's for the general assembly of whoever's there. And that could be two or three people. That could be two or three hundred people. It's just the assembly of who's there. God wanting to speak to that gathering of individuals. And um, this was something that happened many times when my dad and I were just praying in our uh, in our house, where the Lord would speak through him and tongues of interpretation to us. There was only two of us. But God spoke to us often that way, and it was very edifying. Each and every time it was edifying. And uh, it was a beautiful thing that, that my dad learned to yield to. And then he would do it at church, when we go to church um, often. And it would be for the edification of the entire body. So... It's for general edification, not just the individual. And um, a lot of times, God will have tongues and then interpretation. And the purpose of the tongues to the body is to arrest the attention and reveal that God's trying to communicate to the audience. Okay, And whenever you've been in a service and there is a, a gift of tongues that comes in this way, a lot of times even there's... A, uh, a hush that falls over before it even happens. Uh, supernaturally, everybody just feels to quiet down and then it comes. And other times there might be a little bit going on, but as soon as that person begins to speak under the unction of the Spirit, there's a witness in a lot of people's spirit and everybody just quiets down and lets it come forth. There's, there's a, it's, it's different than if someone's just being blessed by speaking in tongues for their personal edification. There's a different atmosphere. And it, again, it grabs the attention of everybody. Um, this is the general um, edification type of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 12 through 13, 1 Corinthians 14, 12 through 13, says, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and again, this he's, he's telling them it's good to desire the spiritual gifts, he says, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Okay, it's again, the reason we want the gifts is for the entire church to excel and to be edified. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So, Lord, if I'm going to speak in tongues in the church setting loudly and I'm going to get everybody's attention, I need to pray that you will interpret either through me or through someone else. I'm not just going to get up and pray loudly in tongues so people think I'm spiritual. Okay? Because as we again heard about, and maybe I'll say later, but verse 28, same chapter. Um, okay, it's the very next person, very next uh, point here. It says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three, at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Okay? So again, if 
sometimes I've been I've seen cases where there's a couple people. Someone will uh, be motivated by the Spirit to to speak, and it gets everyone's attention. Then there's a pause, and then someone else brings a message. But he's saying there shouldn't be more than two or three of these. If you go on all service with everybody taking in turns, where's the understanding, right? So he says, after two or three, at most, do this. There should be an interpretation that follows. And that's what it says. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. So it doesn't mean silent in the fact that you can't make any any level of noise. It means don't be so loud that it's not between you and God. Does that make sense? Because if it, otherwise you're causing disruption to the service. Because when there's a general mood of worship and everybody's worshiping God and praising God, you don't have to be perfectly silent. You can pray in a way that's between you and God in the Spirit or in your own understanding during those times. But you shouldn't do it so loud that it causes a disruption unless you have a message to bring that will be interpreted. Does that make sense? So... There's a purpose for it. And evidently, sometimes in the Corinthian church, people were being obnoxious with it and trying to prove their spirituality. And so Paul had to set some guidelines under the inspiration of the Spirit that we want this to happen. Don't deny anyone speaking tongues, it says later on. You can't deny anyone to speak in tongues. But what I'm saying here is to keep it between you and God unless you have an interpretation that's going to follow. You shouldn't be disrupting the entire service you know for example if if someone's ministering the word of the lord and and someone is filling the spirit to to pray to yourself and to god you can intercede and even if you feel such a strong unction you could even maybe go to another room and pray but if you lift up your voice and interrupt and there's no interpretation then it causes confusion so uh, these are guidelines for interpretation so it doesn't mean, again, that not everyone should ever speak in tongues in any context. Just saying in that context of a public utterance, it shouldn't be everyone in the church going crazy. There should be some order to it. Okay. He does give a couple of instances that are um, interesting. Again, Brother Bernard getting a lot of this um, from his book on spiritual gifts because I like his approach uh, and his wisdom involved with it. But he said sometimes there is instances where there will be a message in tongues, but no interpretation. And we want that to be the exception. Obviously, there should be interpretation most of the time. But he said there have been some times in his experience uh, where there was an utterance and no interpretation. Sometimes that could be that simply another person is not yielding to the interpretation because they feel... Like, uh, they're not confident in bringing the interpretation. But it can be sometimes, one instance he said his aunt was in service, and she didn't believe in speaking in tongues. She didn't think it was of God or for the church. And um, she attended a service, and there was a message in tongues, very powerful, and no interpretation. They waited for a short time, nothing came. So they moved on with service. And after service, she's said, I believe in tongues now because that was powerful. I don't, I still understand it, but it was so powerful, I can't deny that was of God. 
And second, this one is humorous to me. There was a Lebanese student uh, from Louisiana State University that came and visited the church Brother Bernard was a part of at the time. And uh, there was a message that came in his native tongue of Arabic. And he was angry that this person publicly rebuked him for his sins. And they had to explain to him, this person doesn't know Arabic. They were just praying in the Spirit. And whatever was said, they were not trying to direct at anyone. It was something that God was speaking through them. So, you never quite know exactly why something might happen. There may be situations like that where God is just wanting to prove something to somebody. But most of the time, there should be an interpretation that follows in these times where everybody is uh, arrested in their attention. Everybody is quietly waiting um, while someone brings a message in tongues. And and there's sometimes people are just getting blessed. Uh, They're just praying between them and God. And sometimes emotions are that way. Uh, So we're not wanting to put a cap on all that and say nobody should ever uh, express themselves in, in church more than a whisper. But at the same time, be mindful of your um, your influence on the rest of the service. Okay? So, those three types of tongues, and then tonight to close, we'll just deal with um, the interpretation of the tongues, because that might seem a little bit hard to fathom exactly what that is, right? It's like, do, does God give someone an understanding where they hear, hear that person and they just translate word for word? We'll, we'll examine that, okay? So the Greek word translated interpretation in the, the context of 1 Corinthians 14, the interpretation of tongues is hermeneia, which we get our English word hermeneutics. And that means the principles of interpretation. And you hear that word in preaching a lot, hermeneutics, because they teach you how to interpret the Bible correctly so you can preach the Word of God and communicate the Word of God correctly. That's called hermeneutics. If you take something out of context, that's bad hermeneutics. If you interpret it as, it is, as God intended, that's good hermeneutics. So interpretation means to explain the meaning of or to translate orally. It means to give the sense of something, but not necessarily word for word. Now that's important, okay? The sense of something. When someone speaks to the congregation in tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues enables that person who either follows that individual or is the same individual to proclaim the meaning of the utterance. Let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. If anyone speaks in tongue, let there be two or three at the most three in each in turn and let one interpret. Again, these verses explain that. So we define the interpretation of tongues as the gift of a supernatural ability to translate or explain the meaning of a public utterance in tongues. To translate or explain. Now, again, I'll give my personal experience first and then we'll go to um, some, some wise uh, counsel from Brother Bernard. But there's been a couple times where God has used me in this manner and confirmed outside of me to, with other people that what I brought as a translation was the same thing they were feeling. So it wasn't just something I made up. And when someone spoke in tongues, 
it arrested everybody's attention, but I didn't hear word for word like it wasn't like I was understanding the words that were coming out of their mouth. It was God impressing me about what it was, what the meaning of it was, but not like giving me like if someone's speaking in Spanish, all of a sudden I'm understanding every single word they're saying in Spanish. Okay, it was just that I received an understanding. God was using that message in tongues to arrest people's attention. And then when I brought the message, everything was already quiet and people heard it. And then the spirit of God moved and blessed. And there's been other times where I didn't bring the message because I wasn't sure if I had the message. And then someone else brought the message and it was almost exactly the same words I would have said. And again, because he uses the individual, they maybe said it a little bit differently than I would, but the message was the same. Okay, But in neither case did I, as they were saying the words, understand word for word what they're saying. I just got the impression of the message. So um, the first thing we, we say here in, in the translation of the interpretation of tongues is it's impossible to translate one word in one language by one word in a second language generally. When you're talking about speaking sentences. Okay? Uh, sometimes if... There's an interpreter. I've had the experience where I'm saying something in English. They're interpreting in Spanish, standing right next to me. And I say something, and they look at me like... Because their brain is kind of hurting. Because they're trying to figure out how to say what I just said in English makes sense in Spanish. Especially if it's some kind of corny joke. That just doesn't work, right? Word plays don't work. They don't work, okay? Because it comes out just weird, Okay? It just, I mean, they don't, some of mine don't even work in English, but let alone translated. But that, it just, because you can't just give it word for word, okay? Like expressions, like if you say cool beans in English, I don't even know where that came from, but cool beans, man. I don't even know where it came from, but people say it. But if you say frijoles fríos, cold beans, to somebody who speaks Spanish, they're going to be like, warm them up, you know? What are you talking about? You know, there's the microwave. <laughs> what do you, you know, it just doesn't translate. And and one of my favorite is when you watch some foreign films and they're like, "Hello. How are you doing today?" It's like their lips are going like 100 miles an hour and they're saying like a word every few syllables. You know, they're just because whatever they're saying in English took a lot more words in whatever, especially uh, like Eastern films, they're just like so many words for like three in English. And so it's just the difference of the language. It just, it doesn't translate directly. So that's one reason why when God gives us an interpretation of tongues, it doesn't mean he's just having us translate exactly word for word what the tongues mean. And an example of that is um, even when God gave the exact words, He wrote the words on the wall. And there was four words written on the wall. And this is in uh, Daniel five twenty six through 28 And these are words I don't ever want written on my wall, Lord. Please. The words were, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Up, Harsin, or whatever. However you say that word. Up Farson? Ufarson, okay. And the literal translation just means numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. 
just if you went word for word. Numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. But when Daniel gave the interpretation, it was, Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So the message was only four words, but the interpretation expounded and amplified the message. So sometimes there might be a very short utterance of tongues, message of tongues, and there might be a long interpretation. Sometimes there might be a long utterance and a short interpretation. It don't, don't try to make it fit exactly or correlate exactly. Because again, I think a major reason for the, the utterance of the gift of tongues in the beginning is not so much that anybody's going to understand every word. It's, it arrests the attention and lets people know, I have a message to give you that's going to follow. And when someone does it in tongues, there's a supernatural element where people that are spirit-filed understand there's something going on here besides this person's regular prayer. So it gets your attention. And again, it's just, I've been in, again, so many situations where the service is going, it can be noisy as can be, and then all of a sudden there's a hush. And then then the, 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 the message of tongues comes right on the heel of that where everybody just gets quiet. And it's just amazing. And sometimes I have felt a little bit of God's presence when it happens. Sometimes not even very much. And other times just like, like it feels like this, the wind just blew in the room. So it just really uh, depends. Really depends. So, um, and I guess just, it's a little bit out of context, but just to add one more little wrinkle. Um, Again, just praying in the Spirit. There was one time uh, in when I was in uh, Mississippi where the minister asked his daughter-in-law to pray in the Spirit for everyone. And he gave her the microphone. And this is God's honest truth before God I say this. I'm not exaggerating, but it was not feeling like a whole lot of God's Spirit at that moment. But literally, she took the mic and she began the very first syllable to speak in the Spirit. And it felt like a wave just hit me. Like comes out of the, you know, when you're standing in the water in the ocean and the wave just hits you and it kind of, you feel it kind of lift you up, push you back. That's, it was like a wave just went into that room and people just fell on their knees and just started weeping. It was unbelievable. And it, there was no way that human emotion can produce that. And so there, this is, it's supernatural activity by God. And that's, that's, that's what it's about. It's not about trying to prove our spirituality or trying to be different or what, any of those things. It's about God being free to minister through us. Um, thirdly, uh, God gives interpretations according to the speaker's mental ability understanding and expectation. God gives interpretation according to the speaker's mental ability, understanding and expectation. Okay? Someone who reads the King James Version all the time, 
And again, I've heard these type of interpretations. The, thou, thus. They're using all the old English, right? And they, they use it all throughout their interpretation. I mean, it's like you're reading the King James Version Bible while they're interpreting. And then other people, very simple. They're like the New Living Translation or the NIV or something. They just speak plain English. They don't use technical terms. Sometimes they even use very untechnical terms, if that's a word. Or their grammar may not be the best. Because the Lord is using that person and, and He uses and the gifts are subject to the prophet. So, Jeff Foxworthy, if he was inspired by the Spirit, would sound different. Right? He, I'm not saying he would tell you might be a redneck joke. I'm saying his, his voice has a very different accent than mine or anybody else here. So he's not, God's not going to change his accent to bring a message and in, an interpretation of the message in tongues. So uh, it, he jokes about having, no one wants a, a surgeon who has a, a redneck voice. What we're going to do today is we're going to take a scalpel and we're going to open your head and we're going to take out part of your brain and we're going to do something like back there that will just fix you right up. You know, you just, that doesn't instill confidence in you, right? You're not like, okay, where's the scalpel? Let's get going. You're like, uh, next doctor, please? Because we have a different, sometimes we have a, a connotation towards certain accents or whatever. But I'm, the point, the whole point of that is don't discount a message from God because the person bringing it may not talk the same way you do. Just test the spirit of it. You know, examine it with your spirit. And God's usually going to give a really good witness. So just examine it. Say, Lord, is that for me? Is that from you? And just accept it. And understand that it's going to be subject to the person who's giving it. Um, And finally, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 provides guidelines for the proper use of the gifts of tongues interpretation and prophecy in public worship and while the true exercise of these gifts is of God we should not claim infallibility for the gifts like just automatically assume just because it seems like a gift of tongues and an interpretation that it's automatically infallible we should test the spirit each listener should judge whether a message is indeed of God in part or in full, and how it applies to them personally. It is possible for the core message to be of God, but for the human messenger to add their own fallible thoughts out of ignorance, excessive zeal, or pride. Okay, it doesn't mean the whole message is wrong, but they might have added some stuff, right? Some people become so proud of vocal utterance, they assume all their thoughts and feelings at the time must be from the Lord. Instead of really depending on God... They throw a little bit of their flesh in there. And it's possible for an utterance to be completely fleshly or even demonic. Because sometimes people use the gifts of the Spirit to manipulate and control people to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. And obviously in those cases, it's wrong. But (laughs) one time someone got up and gave a message and they misquoted a verse. And I think the message was probably from God. I mean, they misquoted it. But instead of just letting it go, 
they sat down and thought about it and they stood back up and they said, I made a mistake and they uh, fixed the error and they said, thus saith the Lord and sat down. Well, that was thus say you because God doesn't make a mistake, you know, right? God's not going to misquote a verse. (laughs) But my point is that God uses us who are not infallible. Okay, the message was indeed, you know, probably from God, but they misquoted a, a word or two instead of just not worrying about it. They felt the need to correct it and then close it with thus saith the Lord like it was again from God, but it was really this just feeling bad they made a mistake. Okay? So, um, one example of, of a very definite um, operation that's listed in the book that was certainly from God and came to pass in a short time was in the fall of uh, 1995. Uh, Brother Bernard had a young church in Texas. They had not been in operation too long. They were facing an urgent financial situation. They filled the building they were renting. They needed to buy their own facility. And over a two-year period, they purchased property. They developed the plans. They obtained site and building permits. They secured financing. But in the midst of all that, as can happen, property prices went up or construction prices went up, and they ended up being $100,000 short. So that's kind of frustrating, I'm sure, right? <laughs> you get all this stuff ironed out, and then you feel, and then you realize you're a hundred thousand dollars short. And he said the situation seemed hopeless because they're not at a point where they had a church where a hundred thousand dollars is something they could just raise. So, uh, a young man at a prayer meeting at the church. They're just having a prayer meeting on a Thursday night. As a, he was bringing the service to a close, this young man burst forth with tongues and interpretation. Spoke with tongues first, and then he interpreted, You can't see healing, but I see healing. You can't see a miracle, but I see a miracle. You can't see a new building, but I see a new building. So this message came. Instantly, there was a strong witness of the Spirit. And again, if you've been in these atmospheres... A lot of times people will just start weeping or thanking God and it's spontaneous. It's nothing that's, that has to be said. It's just spontaneous response to the Spirit. So they felt this strong witness of the Spirit. His mother-in-law was healed that very night from a back injury that she had been suffering with. So there was the healing they did not see. The following Tuesday, his wife's grandfather was brought back to life in the midst of a parent's stroke during their midweek service. They're having a midweek service. Somebody has a stroke, dies on the spot. They pray for him. They come back to life. There's the miracle they didn't see. And then the next, the, again, that very next week on Thursday, a major bank in Austin, Texas, approved them for a 15-year building loan at the full amount they needed with a lower interest rate that left their mortgage payment about the same as previously budgeted. So basically washed out the $100,000 deficit. Thus within one week from this word that the Lord brought to this young man, there was a healing, a miracle, and approval for their new building. It all transpired within a week. So how would someone be able to do that in the flesh? I don't believe they could. I believe... God spoke to his church. And that's the purpose 
of the gifts of tongues of utterance for the corporate body and the interpretation is to edify the church to bring the church to a closer relationship with the Lord to encourage them to strengthen them to edify them and that's the purpose if if it ever becomes about the individuals bringing the message seeming to be more spiritual or a contest in the body of everyone trying to gather control or gain some kind of uh, place of influence then it's then it's built on a false foundation and it's not going to prosper but if god's in it it will prosper the church and that's the difference any questions we're all done for tonight i know i said a lot but we actually didn't take too long tonight it's only about an hour less than an hour than when we started so been taking a little bit longer so tonight was a little shorter any questions at all yes here but let's see i don't even know if the recording will work brother but just in case it will work use the mic please <laughs> i know you don't want to <laughs> it's fine uh so just wanted to state the obvious mostly in that the the os- it, it's awesome to me that god wants to he speaks in two different ways most or he speaks in a lot of different ways but two main ways and that is he speaks through his people and he speaks through the word and to me it's awesome that and scary that he wants to use our voices our tongues to to speak to minister to whatever the case may be but a lot of the times the reason why tongues with interpretation gets hindered or stopped is because it's scary but the thing to be encouraged by is that God does want to use our voices and you don't have to be so good and so holy and so righteous just for God to use your voice you just got to be willing and available and so that's that's the one thing to be encouraged about and when that happens it's just I mean like Dallas I mean the very first service I ever went to in church the very first UPC church service I ever went to there was tongues with interpretation and I didn't know any I come from a Mormon background and I didn't know anything about anything as far as Pentecost I just thought it was the most the most awesome thing I'd ever experienced because of what you feel in that atmosphere and it, in, it, it, it's so different it varies from, from one end of the spectrum to the other of you know what we feel and you know, in different degrees, and it and it, a lot of the times it's based upon what we're f- going through at that particular time in our lives. And God ministers to everybody so differently, even when He's speaking in tongues or when the tongues of interpretation is being being spoken. Anyway, I, I can ramble because I enjoy this subject. But thank you for sharing. And that you know, again, what we're pushing for is. It's for the supernatural to become natural so that we're operating in the Spirit of God and it becomes more and more normal to us to just follow the Spirit, do what the Spirit leads. You know, uh, the maturity comes, hearing His voice comes, but there's just, you know, it's just so much more effective. Service was almost over on Sunday. I don't know how you would categorize this word of knowledge, word of wisdom. There was no tongues that came first, but I had the microphone so it makes it easier. But we're getting close to the end of worship or the end of the altar call. And the Lord very clearly said, tell someone not to worry about their housing situation. It's taken care of. So I said it. And someone came up to me after service and they couldn't hardly even talk. And this again, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not boasting about me because it's not me. But God 
spoke through me to that person and they just began to weep because they were journaling something to God, getting ready to ask Him for help with their housing situation. They were writing down things about praise because he said, I wanted to praise Him before I asked Him. And he's like, before I could even get to asking Him, He spoke through you and He instantly just melted and because God wanted... And there, I, I, there was probably more than just Him that received encouragement from that that day. But that was one situation where if I would have just been in my flesh and not sensitive to the Spirit, that person wouldn't have been encouraged that day. And it, again, that, the purpose of these classes is because it's not just me, but you may walk up to someone and just... God will tell you, go pray for this person as you're praying for them. He gives you a word or a verse. Just step out and say it. And if you're worried about it, as long as it's the Word of God, the worst thing you did was encourage them in a scripture or a principle of God's kingdom. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. You learn to hear God's voice and just step out. So, But uh, it's for all, everyone who wants to be used for by God. People are used differently, but God wants to use us all to minister to each other. That's the purpose of it. So people are blessed. Yes, Brandon. Um, the one of the things with um, tongues interpretation is that if if you do if you interpret tongues, I mean you can have the, the gift of tongues, and that's that's kind of hard to judge, right? But if you interpret or even prophesy with the gift of prophecy, that you you will you will be judged, and that's a, that's a good thing though. Not not you, but the uh, interpretation will be judged by the word of God. But you just remember that it's going to do one of a couple of things. It's going to edify the body of Christ, the church, and it's going to glorify Jesus. Yeah. And, if, and if it goes right along with the word, it's going to do one of those two things. It's going to glorify Jesus, and it's going to edify the body of Christ. And really, that's, that's a good guideline. And uh, if it doesn't, then there's a problem, and it should be judged. Amen. So, uh, one more uh, quick example, but I was in Portland Pentecostals where my pastor pastors and uh, a couple weeks ago and his son was not part of his dad's message at all, didn't know what his dad was preaching. The Lord used him right for the message to prophesy about don't worry about you being small, too small for God to use you and blah, blah, blah. But that was the main message was don't think you're insignificant. Don't think you're too small. And then the message was about the Lord blessing the lad's lunch. Just two loaves and, or five loaves and two fishes, and how he took something small, small, and he fed five thousand. So the, the, that's that was just brought to mind because a lot of times there will be a continuity of the message in tongues with the sermon given or whatever. God will will uh, the Spirit is speaking the same thing to the church, you know, and so it gives outside confirmation that. The pastor's not just trying to push his own... That's one thing it always does for me. It gives me a lot of confidence. I'm in the will of God when the Lord uses someone else to say a similar thing. Or, you know, a couple weeks ago when when I preached about um, Ishmael, exiling Ishmael, um, John had confirmation about something. I don't remember exactly what he said. And Brother Ron said before service, first time ever in his life he prayed against the spirit of Ishmael. He felt led to pray against the spirit of Ishmael. And then I preached exiling Ishmael. 
So, um, again, just God uses His Spirit to encourage us. It encouraged me because two people I trust and I know they're they're seeking God and, and hearing from God told me confirmation. So, just it's just it just helps a lot more than our flesh what we can accomplish in our flesh. So. All right. Any anything else before we pray and dismiss? Looks like we may have some killer bread out there. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Brother Blake with his killer bread ministry. It's a killer ministry. So. I, yeah. Yes, sir. What's his name? Okay. Yes. be assigned to him that amen well why don't we just take a moment and pray for jeff um, we can take authority and uh, ask that god do that and command that sickness to to leave because he's given us that authority so lord jesus we pray tonight uh, upon the authority you've given us to the power of your word and we speak to this cancer in jeff's body we command it to leave in the name of jesus christ that all cancer would be gone in the name of jesus and we rejoice in advance that he will see this as a sign that you are God, that you are able to do the impossible. And Lord, that ultimately he will surrender his life entirely to you and be saved so that he can make heaven his home. And we re- again, we rejoice in advance of this happening in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. Hopefully, you felt like this message was killer bread. And... And you'll have some Dave's killer bread afterwards. But uh, I'm thankful for the Word of God. It's always awesome. Yes. <laughs> Bible is the bread of life. And so since I spoke the Bible, it's killer. So it kills sin.